0: Welcome to The Francisca Show Podcast, a part of JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show on where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Hey, Francisans, it's great to be back. And I'd like to report that I'm overwhelmingly thrilled by the feedback and responses i've been getting from you and via the chat on the last few episodes i really appreciate your input appreciate you spreading the word we have had a record amount of new listeners and downloads over the last few weeks so thank you so so much make sure you go back and listen to the part one and part two of the lgbt series as well as the episode with ellie beer hopefully you're listening on a podcast listening app and if you are Make sure to go and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a notification. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. This helps other people find the show. If you are new here, welcome. And let me introduce myself. I'm Francisca, a podcast launch coach. I help other people launch their podcasts. I help them figure out how to monetize their podcast. So if you or anyone you know is thinking of launching a podcast, please do send them my way. And for all my music fans out there, I'm coming out with a remix this coming weekend for the Shira LaShem Miriam song, just in time for Pesach. I hope you enjoy this episode. If anyone would like to reach out to any of those guests that I've had on the last few weeks, please do reach out to me. I'd love to connect you. Here we go. Welcome back to The Francisca Show, Franstance. So today's episode is a part of our LGBTQ series that we're doing over a few weeks. And today we're hearing from someone firsthand who is living a Jewish Orthodox life and who has been dealing with so many internal struggles of handling the identity and sexuality piece as well as the religious piece. And I'm so curious to hear what it's like, what that journey is firsthand. So I'm honored and privileged to be having this conversation with you today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.
0: Thank you. You are a listener of the show, are you? Definitely. (laughs) Well, that's the biggest compliment because I didn't have to go looking on Facebook for our guest we, we found you from within the community, which just shows how this is not something that happens in secular culture or at, with the Gaim and this is not a Jewish thing. So this makes it real and it hits the, the point. So let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your upbringing and tell us where you are at in life right now and then we'll go from there.
1: Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Where to begin? I guess I come from a, a... I like to think of myself as a bit of a mixed bag of tricks because I have parents that are Balchuvah and Agar, but both were raised with um, you know, Jewish parents or a Jewish parent, and they found themselves in orthodoxy only much later in life, you know, at the end of their 30s. And I was kind of a second round of marriage and kids for them. Um, they had both been married previously to non-Jews and had kids. So I didn't know reality without having, you know, siblings that were both Jewish and non-Jewish and non-Orthodox and just the whole gamut. And then I have one sibling under me who uh, was raised in my household. So we also moved a lot. That was a mix of Chabad communities and the Torski communities and all kind of around several different states. So also not, not just one school or one place, one community, very much you know, picking up different things from different places, even though it was all within the Orthodox world, it was all a very um, eclectic gathering of experience, shall we say. And I, at some point around in high school, I learned Hasidus and felt like I finally got some clarity on why we're here and what we're doing, and just a more like a deeper, more spiritual purpose. And that made me want to commit to a Chabad lifestyle, because I knew that girls really only in Chabad tend to learn those Hasidic concepts and go a little bit more into the Kabbalah of things. And I said, I don't want to have a daughter that isn't aware of this, you know, greater context and reality that we have. And it meant a lot to me. So I decided when it came time for a seminary and came time for a marriage and whatnot, that the Chabad path was the path I was going to go, even though at the time my parents had left the Chabad community and gone back to a different style, mixed kind of kollel yeshivish, chasidish community. That was kind of, that's kind of that part of it in a nutshell.
0: Let's start to talk about your general awareness of yourself, your sexuality. When did that start to come out? And did you have a support system around it? Did you have anyone you could ask questions to? What was that like?
1: Sure. So I could say I kind of grew up in a pretty emotional household. And I think it destabilizing in a certain sense, because I was very much like, well, what makes sense? How do you think about that? I was very rational. And I kind of shut down my emotions for many years. And only at the point in high school where I started having feelings for some other girls in my school, did I start to kind of have to grapple with an emotional realm? I was always very sensitive and I cared a lot about people. And I was that quiet, shy person that always sort of stayed in the periphery. But, you know, up until that point for me, is was always the kind of feeling of like having a really good friend, a best friend. That's what I really wanted. And, you know, I was looking for that kind of deep, intense relationship with my friends. And so when one day a girl kind of, we met up on Shabbos and she admitted to me that she had feelings for me. And I was like, wait a second, what? It was almost like a paradigm shift happened and all the things that perhaps I had kind of thought of on a subconscious level kind of came forth. And I was like hey you know I sort of I feel the same way about you and it and it became a little bit of an obsession shall we say and that's when I started to obviously realize that maybe things were more complicated for me then and how old were you that was end of 10th grade so yeah that summer it was you know one of the stories of in the summer but yeah for me it just it flipped on a switch and Everything just went from like not feeling anything Not I never had the crushes on boys like a lot of the other girls did. It wasn't really something I even thought of. But then at that point, it was like, whoa, light bulbs, sparks, something turned on. And I kind of was like feeling so much. And it was almost like kind of described it as like the dam broke and all my emotions came out. It's a
0: lot. What do you do from that point? Do you talk to your parents? Do you just keep this as your little secret?
1: Yeah, I think at that point I was probably too overwhelmed to even know what to do with it all. I, I, I didn't think to go to my parents. I, it felt like, you know, a little secret that I had that I was kind of holding on to and it just was so intense. I was really, you know what it was? I was really in the emotion of it. I don't even know that I knew what to do with it or, or how to decide for just reciprocating this experience with this person. And then, ironically, like a month later, she told me that she wasn't into me anymore and she was like off on someone else now. And I was like, okay, that was quick. But um, it had unleashed this beast. So I was like, okay, well. Whether or not she's there or not, you know, it's it's like how do I how do I deal with this? And so it was a lot of me internally, I think, processing, and I sort of was trying to like woo her back, if you will, and a lot of that like messy teenage drama stuff, you know, and and just trying to balance that and my be succeeding in school and in life, you know. So it was it was definitely like an intense couple of years through 11th and 12th grade. Both I started to realized that I had these feelings and it wasn't just for her it was for other girls and when I looked back at my earlier high school years I was like oh I thought I was just thinking like this girl like maybe we had some kind of soul connection because I felt something toward her and then no actually I was just attracted to her that's that's hilarious you know I was like connecting the dots a little bit from the past few years of experience and um so that was a lot I definitely was repressing it also it felt very Forbidden, very awkward. I felt really bad for feeling that way toward people because, you know, a lot of these girls are just good, innocent, naive girls, and here I am, like having these thoughts. And I didn't want to violate anybody, even like even within myself. But at, at the same time, I was grappling with such intensity that it was a lot.
0: You explained it really beautifully. So talk to us about post high school and then dating. I know you're married to a man today and you have a family. How do we go from that high school girl to today?
1: Sure. It's a very good question. It definitely was a lot of little phases in between. For me, I went to seminary thinking it was my first time away from my family, first of all, and I'm going to this dorm full of girls and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, um, I'm just determined not to not to fall for someone again. That's my goal, like, and uh, it was ironic because you know when you're trying so hard not to have something happen, that's exactly all you can have happen, all you can focus on, sort of thing. So, yeah, it was it was wonderful in the sense of I finally had some independence, and I was around other young women that were learning and growing, and I'm in a different place, geographically, different continent, anyways. And so, I sought to find. Just friends, but right away I met a girl who, of course, <laughs> I fell for, her. and I think like we we ended up in a pretty intense relationship, emotionally and physically, and uh, I think it was accompanied by a lot of a lot of confusion and, and guilt and a bit of a codependent situation. I think at that point I had no sense of balance. It was like I was all in and all intense. But it was hard because, of course, you can't be open about any of that. You're kind of going behind the Hanhala's back. Not intentionally because you're trying to be like a naughty person or something, right? It just It was the nature of, of, of that relationship and feeling like we had to hide it. So the Hanhala actually called us in and said, you guys need to spend more time with other people and this and that. And I was like, we, I finally made a friend from a different place. And you're telling me I should make more friends from a, like, come on. Like I was, you know, we were very much, uh, I guess, probably defensive and um, it only served to make us stick closer together. It was like what I thought I had experienced in high school was something. No, no, no. Seminary and this whole experience was like another level. And I was I was totally like, I guess, really
0: just madly in love at that point. Can I ask a question? And it might be completely ridiculous, but do you have that gaydar? Like you can, like, how do you know someone might be interested more than a friend, especially when everyone's? private about this? Definitely.
1: It wasn't a gaydar as much as I I think I'm intuitive enough to see when people are emotionally, I don't know, vulnerable sounds bad, but like she was in a place where she needed someone to be her protector, her savior, her person. And I wanted to be that person for somebody. So it kind of, again, maybe more of a codependent sense than anything else, we fell into uh, meeting each other's needs. And in strengthening and deepening that relationship, I slowly over time brought up the idea of, like, do you ever have these feelings like that you want, you know, like a touch or this or that. And when she sort of seemed inclined, I kind of felt like, okay, I wouldn't be doing something violating her. She also wants this. And, you know, it started off with just a touch of the hand and then grew from there. But it was a slow process to the point where I have a memory of, it was like our first touch and it was just like explosive and insane, just this feeling. But then it also was accompanied by this wash of like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, this is horrible. What, how do I come to like, you know, sacrifice my soul for this? But it was like, but it felt so loving and so real that it just, um, it wasn't something I could push away. So it took me quite a while to uh, learn to let the love outshine the guilt of it. But at some point it did, it it was like, nope, I'm I'm going in, I'm going all in and this feels right for now for me. And uh, we ended up uh, actually staying connected after seminary and living together, uh, doing work for some rabbis. And um it kind of felt like for all intents and purposes that we were, you know, like a married couple. We were living together, we were working in the same, you know, place. And uh at that point though, she had misgivings and she was telling me how she really didn't want the, the physical part of this relationship anymore. And she was happy to like be friends and that was a lot because um, you know, for me again, it was this like it felt like I could just do this forever. But at that point I was seeing her not be happy in it anymore and i was really struggling how to how to kind of deal with that and that's when <laughs> and that's when i said fine you don't want to be with me anymore i can't be with any other women because it's just too painful to think about being with someone else because I, I loved her so much i will go and be on chadachom and date a man because that can actually tolerate thinking about so yeah that's that's the kind of backwards way i got into chadachom unfortunately in a certain sense.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Shadachim. You went to Shadachim or several Shadachim. How long did you date for? Did you ever talk about this with your husband before he was your husband, after?
1: I was under a shlocha and she, and I sort of explained to her that I was interested in starting to look, that she was someone that was okay with us looking while we were still in the job for her, so to speak. And, and she had someone in a nearby community that she thought I might be interested in. And uh, I went out With him through shidduchim, I didn't have my parents necessarily their involvement. It was more me doing it on my own because they came from more that Bal shuva background and didn't have any other kids prior to me that had gone through that. I just figured I would kind of take care of it myself. It turns out that the guy that I was dating and got engaged to very quickly, and at the same time, my friend who I was living with and in this relationship with started dating as well, and she got engaged to the first guy that she was dating she ended up marrying him I ended up with a broken engagement <laughs> and so that was like now I was in a position where I don't have someone I'm going to and the person I had is gone and, and engaged and, and now what do I do with my life kind of had to pick up the pieces
0: there so it was a pretty trying time usually it's a terrible question to ask why did the engagement break <laughs> but did that have anything to do with your identity
1: You know, in this case, no, it had more to do with um, him not disclosing some things to me um, about his like smoking habits and some different mental stuff, issues that I just, uh, I didn't even pick up one-on-one, but when my father came for like Arle Chaim, he noticed right away that this guy wasn't acting quite normal in public and was like, are you sure you want to think? So yeah, it kind of fell apart over time in that sense and
0: okay. So now you didn't have your friend and you didn't have either persons in your life.
1: Yeah, it was it was a pretty dark time. I I was helping her get her wedding set up. And then after she got married, I was like, yeah, in a bit of a spiral downward and didn't know quite what to do. So I moved back home and I kept looking in the in the shudo world for opportunities. I I wish at the time I had you know, maybe gone to see someone, talk talk to anyone really, oh, I didn't tell you what happened was I had an amazing mashpia in seminary. She passed away with a freak accident. And so just as it was about to tell the one person in the world that I trusted, here I'm in this relationship. I'm not sure what to do with all this that I'm dealing with. And and she passes away. And so I felt like my one lifeline had kind of been ripped from me. And I just didn't have, I didn't know who to reach out to after that, at that point. So I just sort of slipped into this, get into Zedekh mode. I, yeah, I ended up dating and getting into another serious kind of where we were unofficially engaged situation a number of months later. And that And then that time he ended up calling it off right before we were about to go to the oil. So I was like, Hashem, I'm done. I don't know anymore. Like, if you want something to happen, like it's on you. I've done my Heshtablos. And shortly after that, that was maybe six six months into my friend being married. And her uh, husband turns out has a good friend. And they're thinking maybe they, that maybe we could work and that we should try to go out. And so I followed up with her and that third, third time's a charm uh, worked in my case where I met my, met my husband in New York and we went out uh, six dates, two weeks. And decided that that was, that was it. And so you might ask like, why? And what, how, how did I end up to the, at that point where, how did I feel? I never once in any of the shidduch process with any of the guys said anything about my my feelings, my orientation. I think I just, I just I, I was in such a deep confusion about it all. And um, I don't know, I just I just didn't address it. And I felt guilty on some level for that. But on another level, I just think what it came down to was my paradigm. The only paradigm that was acceptable was to date and get married to a man. And so that was the only option I felt like I had. I really didn't feel like I could do anything else.
0: So, so to clarify for anyone listening, I know with men people understand more that it's, you know, man attracted to men and that's it. With women, I think there's this bias or preconceived thing that it's a preference. My question is, were you at all attracted to any of your potential spouses slash spouse?
1: I guess if you would like to ask me now how I would describe myself would be a homo romantic bisexual. And that took me a long time to piece together. But essentially what that would be saying is I find men attractive. I think there are men that are good looking. I am not repulsed by the, you know, being, having a sexual relationship with a man, but that actually was its own process in itself. But romantically speaking, emotional, that connection, the butterflies, the feeling of some kind of magic, it just, um, it's not there with men at all and I only feel that with women. I'm a much more head-oriented person, and I was like, well, if we're compatible, if these things are right, if we have good connection, like I can talk to him, you know, that's the important thing And the, in general, in the firm world, they all say like, you know, the, the intimacy and the sexual nature of it, that all comes later, you'll explore that after marriage, so I said, well, that's anyway, kind of something I don't have to think about right now, I can just focus on if we're compatible in other ways, and With my husband, it happened to be that we, you know, our first day I talked for, we talked for seven, eight hours straight, just like clicked. I felt like I had met like a long lost soul brother kind of a thing. And it, and it just, uh, it felt right on on that level. And that was really reassuring because with the other guys, I hadn't felt that. And with him, it was like, no, wow, there's something really deep here that, that I can't explain, but it feels so right. So that was like a reassurance to me. But on the, on the physical attraction piece, I was worried. And I, and I did express that to a few people that I wasn't sure if I was super attracted and how problematic is that? And really, honestly, uh, the few people I talked to brushed it away. Oh, no, you guys are such a cute couple. You look alike. It's going to be great. You'll figure that out later. You know, and so I said, OK, I guess, you know, that's something I'll, I'll just, just going to I'm just not going to think about that part. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that was and I hadn't decided if after we're married, I would say something to him or not. It turns out I, I did share with him within that first six months that, you know, my good friend and stuff and I were kind of, we were, we had a relationship and it was more complicated. And so when he saw my behaviors after marriage, it was somewhat closed off. I was a bit, I was still hiding from myself and from him. I was just shut down. I was still emotionally like bruised. And I was pretty sad over this loss of this other friend and didn't really know. It was a lot to take on while. Getting married—it's it really crazy to think about.
0: Looking back, what's your relationship with him now like? And does he feel betrayed by the process?
1: So I think he was surprised when I first told him in that first year of marriage. He definitely wasn't like expecting that or anything. But I think it explained some stuff to him about my behavior that started to help him understand why where I was coming from better. And uh, he was surprisingly kind and understanding about it. He's very much an internal processor, so I don't know that I saw externally how he really felt inside. I know that it probably hurt him more than he was showing, but over the years it became more apparent to him the way that I felt I was able to kind of peel away layers of myself. It was a journey that was more complicated because I also had two kids pretty quickly and my second, my son has special needs. And so when he was born and he had to have heart surgery and he was visually impaired and all these really big things, it sort of made me question, you know, why Hashem? Why universe? How is this happening? How, how do I deal with all these things? And it, it sent me really into a, a you know, dark night of the soul kind of catalyzing timeframe. And so it was like a lot of me kind of grappling with my spirituality, my religiosity, my belief on like accepting myself for who I am and how I feel all of it really wrapped up into one. And that took a lot of years to parse out. Well, that was when I was in my mid twenties. Now I'm just past 30. So a good, good number of years to find more myself. But to answer your question about my husband, he has been just incredible through the whole journey. Just incredible. And I think that is one of the ways that we made it successful because he wasn't here in a judging capacity. He really always only built me up and invested and was verbally affirming. And I think he healed and like loved me in a way that nobody had. And so even just building that connection with him allowed me to fall into relationship with him in a way that was much more deep and meaningful than even something on a sexual level, a physical level. It was, it was it transcended that it was so much deeper. So the work between it, ourselves and our communication and all that really was something that helped, has helped kept us together this whole time. It's been about a decade now.
0: Now that we're having this conversation, you reached out, interested in sharing it just before we started the conversation. You said you possibly want to go public with this. Can you talk to me about that component, you know, stigma? What, what do you, your children? What are your considerations? What's your thought process?
1: Well, in this whole self-discovery journey, I think one of the things that I found to be key was a level of self-acceptance and honesty and transparency. And though I won't shout it on the rooftops necessarily, I'm not advertising who I am and how I feel, but I feel that it's extremely important to get getting to that place within myself of being okay with that aspect of me, I think there are just are so many aspects of oneself. And, and the more that we can integrate the pieces that are harder to integrate, the pieces that that a society would deem, you know, uh, inappropriate or unacceptable in some sense, that though that that's those are like the real juicy pieces to work on and to bring forward and say, yes, I'm 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 in love with this piece of me as well. And so as much as you said there are stigmas and stuff, I, I really believe that like, if I can't be this for myself, then what am I, what inheritance am I leaving for my kids? If they can't be themselves when push comes to shove, even though it's not convenient for the world or um, it's something looked upon as all sorts of ways, I felt like uh, rather than staying in the closet <laughs> that there's a gamut of experience. I really believe life is gray and not black and white. And I think like the, the paradigm of living in a black and white community, right? We dress that way even uh, in a certain sense, the men and stuff. And, and I think like, it's great to shatter that perception that it's just, there's a binary. I'm sorry, internally, there's no such thing as a binary. There's just so many pieces. And so um, I think it's like, I've joined groups like Eshel, the LGBTQ organization in the Jewish world. And I've talked to other people, I've seen young women struggle with this. And I I just feel like it's so important that people know that like there's struggles for everybody at every level and there's no reason to be, you know, ashamed of it. There's so many resources and I learned those and I tapped into those as I got older, but I think like, there's no reason to wait till you're married and you've committed and and you've got that all set up to, to find, find yourself.
0: It sounds like, or from what you've told me, you are planning to stay in your, in your married relationship and that's the plan.
1: I say, I don't know. I don't believe in plans. I think it's, I think living life day to day is, is healthiest uh, because if I were to go out in the future, it's just, it's just too much to take in. So I say like every day, if I'm feeling like this relationship between my husband and I are honoring that our communication is healthy, that we're still bringing something to the table for our family dynamic. Because I've committed to it, because I'm in it, and I came to this while in this commitment, it's something that I I deeply honor and appreciate. And I don't think that the romantic or attraction piece is, is the end all or be all. It's, it's not as something that um, is, again, just an aspect. And so when I have so many other parts of it working well, that there's no reason for me to uproot the whole apple cart. And um, you know, we're gonna be expecting our third kid soon, God willing. So I yeah, thank you. So yeah, no, there's a commitment there. I think I think a commitment is is a huge piece of it. And also when you have something as true and loving and 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 connecting as as what we have developed, there's no reason
0: to Let that go. I have a few more questions, but I am scared to ask them because I don't want to be putting ideas in your head if you seem content and happy with your choices. But I'm wondering do you ever regret the choice you made by choosing a lifestyle that is fulfilling, provides a family, you know, in the traditional sense, and that you have this part of yourself that you do fit in within the Jewish community? And you are religiously conforming to what's expected of you. And on the other hand, are you ever concerned? Or do you fear that your husband might look for something elsewhere? Because he got cheated out of that? Sure.
1: No, no questions is too much. It's good. I've, if, if you've thought of it, I've definitely thought of it for my own situation. And the basic gist is... I've had, for my own self, immense regret about that time period in my life that I chose to go into Shaduchim and... I, I've wished more than anything, if there was like one wish to go back in time, where would I go? It would be to that time period where I would have decided to stay in college, uh, go to college, I should say, and, and, and take a little more time to get to know myself before plunging into this, you know, huge commitment and experience of marriage and all that it is and motherhood. And it was, it was a, it was a journey, a healing journey for sure to realize that at this point, you know, I don't like to think of myself as boxed in ever in a certain sense. So I think people oftentimes will say, Oh, well, that's not really an option because X, Y, Z. So I say to myself, listen, you can, you can get divorced. You can start a new life with a woman. You could, you could live that life. You could do that. You can stay married. You can commit. You can keep going on that track. You have two options. What, Where are you going to do? And so I genuinely ask myself that from the deepest recesses of everything that I am. And Ultimately, I realized that it was me having to heal that whole decade, that tekufa of time, period of time, coming to terms with the choice that I made, honoring the choice that I made. And so once I was able to kind of honor that choice, I was able to let go of this other option and say, no, look, this is where I was meant to be. I have beautiful children. I have a beautiful family. Like, ultimately... That was the way it was supposed to play out. And and it brought me on such a a tremendous journey of healing and finding God at a whole new level. So that was only in the last about year or so. That was like not so, we're not talking so long ago. So I just, I've always said it's about honoring the process, taking the time to be real with yourself. and, 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 And I was real with him through that whole time. So he knew that I was contemplating getting divorced. He knew that I was struggling immensely he was, but the beautiful thing was he was there like supporting me through it, you know, at the same time. And, and I just realized like, there's so much to be grateful for in the life that I have and so much that I could destroy and changing it. And it just didn't um, add up to, to make something different. So.
0: And in terms of his, what he deserves. Yes, exactly. Okay. So he's someone
1: that's I guess kind of self-sacrificing and someone that won't necessarily make a change unless someone else does it. So I guess, I don't know what it would take for him to, to leave. And that sounds like badness in a sense, but it, it came down to, we have a connection and intimacy that I can't deny that I find is real that I am able to, again, because it's this, bisexual nature. I, I, ha- I can be with him in a, in a physical way. That's very satisfying for both of us. Let's put it that way. And so I think like, if, if it were to be that I just really dreaded the experience of intimacy with him and he really felt that I was closed off and that we weren't meeting each other in that, on that level, I would say it wouldn't be fair to him and it wouldn't be honoring uh, to not meet him there. But because we have that as well, and it's a really real thing. I think that that's always been enough for him. And he knows that I'm committed. And we we do know that like on a soul level, we've been together in other lives and things. And so it's it's just so much deeper. And I don't think he feels cheated. I think actually like we've gotten to the point now where we'll joke, we'll be like, oh, what did you think about her? And we'll have the same, like, you know, you know, we're attracted to the same kind of people and stuff like that. So we have like our almost like our man jokes together and stuff, which I love because now it, it's at a place where we can kid about it. He's in full recognition of it and it doesn't seem to bother him. Until, and he's, he's so compassionate. You know, he's talked to me about all the different options of what would be there to make me happy, make us work and everything. And so he's, he, it's just been a very loving process. I always am asking him if I'm missing anything, if he's feeling something like it, that he's not telling me, right. Cause I have to sometimes pull it out of him, but he, you know, from all that i've ever gathered he, he's he's very happy to make this keep working
0: normally parents don't talk about their sexuality with their kids or their sexual relationship with their children have you thought about how you're going to navigate that with your children do they know are you planning to tell them ever but they're still
1: little yet so obviously age appropriateness comes into the whole picture but you know my dad was always very open and accepting of me and how I was. And my mom was more traditional and and wouldn't talk about those kind of things. So I kind of feel like I grew up with like a little bit of a mix, like some radical honesty on one hand and then just keeping it polite and appropriate on the other. And uh, for me, yeah, if it comes up, I'm not planning on hiding it from my kids. Again, like I say, I'm cultivating myself to be as real as possible. And so again, with the appropriate time and place, I would definitely share that with my kids and hope that they would rise to the challenge, perhaps even better than I did when I was younger, to whatever it is that
0: they face. And you mentioned how you have this incredible relationship with your husband and there's this compassion and companionship. Have you done all this work on your own or did you have outside support to guide you through this?
1: It was a mix of both a lot of like research and, you know, thank God we have the internet nowadays to kind of explore without it. Without us having to travel, or you know, in a non-threatening way, I can look up whatever I need to to try to understand myself better. So it was some of that exploration, and then for sure I had different therapists and life coaches and people, friends uh, to to bounce things off of through the whole process. And there was always people that I had in my family and as friends that were accepting of who I was, and that really that really helped.
0: Have you had these conversations with your parents or? they're sort of left out of this part of your life. Have we talked about that?
1: My father probably knows more. Oh, he, he knew before I said anything, I think that I had this kind of intensity with women and whatnot. And he was always, he was accepting of it on a personal level. I think, you know, Jewish wise to, t- to give your daughter the go ahead to marry another woman, like that's a little bit tougher. So he was not going to just say that to me, but uh, total acceptance on his part. It was my mom that had a lot harder time with it. I didn't share any of it with her for the longest time. And when I finally did it, we got kind of nasty in a certain sense, but because, you know, for her it's coming, but it was coming from a loving place. And ultimately I know she would never reject me. Uh, she'd never throw me at the house. She'd never stop talking to me no matter what I decided to do. So I just realized she's going to love me in the, in as much as she can. The parts of me she can, and and the parts that she can't, then I just, then, you know, I'm at peace with her not being able to wrap her head around all that. It's not her experience, you know? So,
0: So this is a part of the episode where I'd like you to bring awareness to certain things you think the community or other people who are unaware should know of. What would some of those things be?
1: Well, on a social dynamic level, it's interesting because in the formal world, we're always hanging out with the same gender and all the parties and the hasanas and the get togethers, it's all me hanging around other women and coming from my perspective, it's really hard to not feel somewhat triggered in in those kind of social, you know, engagements. And and if there's you know women around you that you're kind of attracted to and you're married and you know that's you know, people have these attraction issues no matter what you know, edge of the spectrum you're on or whatnot. But for, for me, because it's like in our face all the time, that it just makes it that much more hard and then it's not accepted. So it's must uh, so it becomes like a whole thing. Uh, so you can hear it in my, you know, I can't even describe it. It's just a little bit exasperating. So I've had to work for years to get to a point where I feel comfortable. I think like I've always sort of tried to feel people out in conversation, how they felt about this issue and a, an attraction to the same gender, and I often get met with a lot of uh, people personally being okay with it, but you know, because Judaism says it's not allowed, so therefore, you know, that you know, that kind of thing. It's really what I learned. It comes down to is my own self acceptance and to not let the reflection of everybody else that I'm hearing from about it bother me too much. But I think it's like they're so totally unaware they're talking to someone that struggles with it that sometimes. You know it it it, it can hurt. It, it hits it hits a certain place, and I've had I've had some interesting experiences in that sense. And so I, it, it'd be nice for people to not just assume who you are and how you feel, but maybe to you know delve a little deeper into it. I think there's a lot of young women out there that may, may be feeling the same way. I know in, in high school we had a teeny high school, of like 60 girls, and there was I don't know five or six of us that um were in this like subculture of all like being into each other and stuff. And I'm like, if this is happening in this teeny little school, I can only, and this was also again, whatever, 15 years ago when it wasn't as popular or open about, you know, who, who we are and our gender and sexual attractions and stuff. Now it's even more accepted. I can only imagine that that's become a more of a thing in, so in the from world, like don't think that there are not people struggling with this. I have friends that are married and resentful as heck that they're in that spot. And they wish they, I, I, I think somewhere deep down subconsciously, they probably wish they weren't in that situation, but they've made their commitment to Judaism. And like, this is what they're doing, even if it's, even if it makes them the unhappiest. And I have people that are, you know, friends are divorced and have to struggle with how they're going to take the next step in their life about it. And so just all, all sorts, there's really all sorts of people and all sorts of struggles. But I think like the less judgment and social pressure they're feeling. From the outside, the easier it is going to be for them to try to find themselves in where they need to be in
0: life. Any practical, like, don't say this or do say this before we end?
1: I I guess I would say it's about not taking for granted your perspective. Like, there's so many other people with other perspectives and other ways of feeling, just taking the moment to step into someone else's shoes. Like, when, especially when you're a Shatchanit or Shashchan and you're setting people up to, I don't know that there's enough stress about on the emotional health piece and and are you really ready and in the frame of mind a person is in when they're going into that next chapter and starting that commitment. Like if if someone were like me and feeling like they had attraction to women and weren't really sure what to do, but were kind of just going along, I would say like no halt. Take the time to understand yourself because ultimately, even if your parents are saying, you know, we want you. To get married, there's pressures externally and whatever. They don't want to see you end up divorced in five years or two years or 15, 20 years. Like, that's not. So, even if in the short term you might be disappointing them, ultimately taking that time for yourself to honor who you truly are and then make a decision from that space is going to be um, the most loving thing you can do for anybody around you and and choosing people wisely who you, who you involve yourself in and who you share it with. Like, Again, it's good to be recognizing and accepting of yourself and then ultimately finding the right people to build a support system around are, both, are all important aspects of it. It's kind of the, the takeaway for someone maybe perhaps going through something similar. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you. Sure. It's, uh, like I said, my pleasure and I appreciate giving a platform to the, to the voice and the firm community is on one end of the spectrum when it comes to this issue, it's like it's more shut down, it's more closed, it's more hidden, it's more taboo. And I, and I, that's not to say that the non-Jewish world, I really look at it as like two ends of a spectrum. One is too open, one's maybe a little too closed. And so if we can find a place somewhere in the middle for people to be able to live without this feeling of they can't be and exist without it being so painful, like, you know, that's, for me, that emotional and mental health is, is the most important thing to stress for anybody being in this experience. So you're allowing us to kind of show people that we are living it. There's people living it every day and, and, and we keep going. Wow.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much for sticking around until the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like me to connect you to this guest, please do reach out. She is open and willing to have conversations with anyone who is looking for guidance or support or just wants to share their story. I am happy to continue doing episodes on this topic and these topics. So if you'd like to come and share your story, please do reach out to me. If you would like to continue and participate in the conversation after or during your episode listens, please do join the WhatsApp group. The link is in the comments. Feel free to spark up the conversation. If you enjoy this podcast, you probably will enjoy other podcasts on jewishcoffeehouse.com. I have posted several months back looking for someone to share their story on struggling financially as a from family, as an Orthodox Jewish family, and that's what's coming out next week. So thanks again for all your messages, for your feedback, and good luck with your Pesach cleaning and prepping. See you next week.